Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website or send us a WhatsApp. Say hi and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our Bless series, focusing on five simple practices that you can put into action as we live out our mission. Love God and love people. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. What a wonderful time to be together to worship. This morning at our 8.30 services, there was such a sense that God is working deeply in people's lives. And this morning, Jesus wants to meet with you. I invite you to take a moment and just take a deep breath and say, God, what do you want to share with me this morning? We're in our series, Bless. We're in this process of how can we bring a closer face, as it were, of Jesus to people. So God, open your heart. This series we've been busy with encapsulates, bless, and succinctly captures the culture of this house. It's all about love God. And when you love God, there's something that moves you to love people. But especially, I love the series because it provides us with such clear practical steps. Such a sense that you can be included. It's the practical everyday steps. Things that you and I do every day. That we can be a part of in bringing people back to God. You see, so often we dream and we hope and to a measure we pray. We hope that people will find God. People we love. People we care about. But this series gives you tips and ways in which you can help people. You can be a part of God's plan. You can be a part of integrating yourself by your normal everyday life, bringing people to Jesus, being an instrument. See, the truth is, church, when you hear and when you embrace, and when you take these steps of obedience, Ordinary steps. That's when God begins to do his part, which is the extraordinary. Every time you take a step of obedience, in one of these principles, God steps in and does the extraordinary. You see this in the scriptures. Moses, just an ordinary shepherd man, once a king, abandoned in the desert, Looking after those sheep, the one that Daniel says, the Demakar people, or the sheep, beg your pardon. Those folk, those sheep that don't listen and don't care, and there he is doing the mundane, the ordinary, just the plain old stuff. And he has a staff in his hand, the tool that he used every day. But he places it into God's hand. He says, Lord, take what I have, and then God turns it into the extraordinary. The natural becomes supernatural. He parts the Red Sea when he holds this stuff in God's hands as God grasps and places that in his hand and then puts it back in the hand of Moses. It becomes a tool that God uses. Think of the little boy 
The little boy, unknown boy, he, the scripture says five loaves. Now, please, he didn't have five loaves of bread. What kind of mother gives the child five loaves of bread to go to school? It was a scene at school when we went there when one boy used to bring six sandwiches every day to work to school, beg your pardon. Well, we helped ourselves to the supply because he was oversupplied. <laughs> and so this is five little buns that he would eat with two little fish, not snook, not hake, <laughs> little sardines. And he would have that dried, it would be, and he'd have that along the way. He takes that unknown boy, not even a name. He puts it in the hands of Jesus. And when he places it in the hands of Jesus, it becomes extraordinary. And Jesus feeds in the excess of 5,000 people. Just a step of faith and obedience. What about David? Goes down to the riverside. Picks up five ordinary stones that he was so used to using all day. When he chased the lions and he chased the animals that came to attack his sheep. Picks up five stones. Places it in the sling. And those five stones slay the giant. Just the ordinary, everyday stuff. Placed into the hands of God becomes supernatural and extraordinary. This is what the series is all about. I love how Paul puts it. Listen to the way he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping you're going to work, you're walking, and your journey in life, place that before God as an offering and see the extraordinary. The promise of God is no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. It's church. Would you hear a, a, a word I believe God has placed on my heart and I carry? That if we were to embrace these five principles, which are simple everyday stuff, the principles of bless, the practices of bless, in our daily life, just as we go, God will do extraordinary stuff in this house. Because of you and because of I. Simply taking our ordinary lives, placing it into God's hands, ordinary practices, and God moves. And so today I get to share with you the acronym BLESS, I begin, I, which begins with uh, prayer. When we come to a place where we have this card that we've taken to be consciously to remember who the people are. And we write their names down and something happened on our funeral service just at Rene Williams, packed house, people crying. And there's a little boy, really, comes to Daniel, Pastor Daniel, straight after this, well, as we literally moving out with the coffin. And he tags him. And the mother's next to him and says, would you pray for these people I wrote down? 
How ordinary do you get? You know, Jesus said, the children will lead the way. He'll show you things. I want to invite you to see what God is doing. Prayer, we write down the names and we, we remember them and sometimes we forget to do it and that's why I have the card on my desk and my morning devotion and I remember the names. And today I get to serve you with this wonderful thing when we come to a place where we be and then it's listen, take time to stop and engage with people, listen long enough, not looking to answer them, not giving them advice, just slow it down and listen, contact with them. And then we eat together. Well, Pastor Daniel covered that adequately, (laughs) the passion of his heart. And then there's S of the word bless. I'm going to be sharing on serve, which is my passion. And then they're sharing the second S. You see, I believe serving is more than a cognitive experience. It's more than, oh, I know I must do that. It's primarily a heart shift. When something in your heart begins to shift, because we have grown up with a culture We've grown up with a dominant cultural characteristic, which is selfishness, me first, what's in it for me attitude, which dominates our society. And Jesus comes and he cuts right across that. He cuts literally feet under, right out. And he says, that's not what my followers will be like. I'm coming with a different culture. A heavenly culture that I want my people to live by. Supersedes the culture of your day. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. I love how Paul, (coughs) sorry guys, just give me a minute. (coughs) I love how the way Paul captures it so succinctly. In Philippians chapter two, in your life, he's talking to the believers, you must think and you must act like Christ Jesus. In 1978, some 34 years ago, I walked down a long walkway as a young man to enter into Bible training. Felt God had called me to be a minister, but at that stage was a missionary. Came into us so so passionate, so filled with dreams and vision. Billy Graham, here he comes, number two. (laughs) Just a a sense of I was going to change the world. I was going to be the preacher that people lined up to sign up. And I came into a Bible school in Surrey Estate. It was a Bible school started by a man called Don Ashleman that impacted my life. You see, he had a passion to provide theological training for those who were less fortunate. 
So he started the Bible school in the most underprivileged, most needy areas. It wasn't a fine spanking university building. He started actually in the back hall of a church which leaked. And he started training just a few people. No pamphlets went out. He began to sit with them and teach them the Bible and put a curriculum together. And so a few years after starting, it started in 1973 and 1978, I was one of the earliest students. I walked down that aisle so full, he was gonna teach me, I was gonna preach the world. And something shifted in my heart that time that I was there. Within the first two weeks, I realized something's different here. There's something here. Something I hadn't experienced. You see, there was no tea room staff room he drank tea with us and all his staff drank tea with us and then I watched I never engaged him at that stage I was just watching this then he'd take his cup to the sink wash it himself and hang it up I couldn't get this he had an office which actually overlooked, but he would come down as soon as the bell would ring and he'd come and have tea with us. No one took tea to him. Thought, what was this? And Margaret Gustafson, one of my teachers, taught, and she said, remember, we who serve others are one amongst them, not one over them. It shaped my whole life. It gave me a passion and a desire. And my first congregation was Mannenberg. Then Barbie and I got married. She really caught me eventually. And, <laughs> and then off I went. And we served as missionaries to people that couldn't read or write, lived in no electricity, nothing. We felt we wanted to serve. Where did it start? Watching the life. Do you know what the fee was for the first term? 50 rand. Well, you can't get two milliliters of petrol with 50 rand today. <laughs> you can't even buy a decent sandwich. You know why he made it that? Because he got funded from overseas. He didn't stuff it in his pocket. He distributed it amongst us. He said, I can keep the fees as low as I can so that you can come. We loved it. Became my fraternal it became my home. And so we went and served others. But here is Jesus in John chapter 30, where he begins to model, begins to show what he would like his followers to be. In fact, that he insisted that his followers should be like this. And you'll see it in the passage how he insisted on that where he turns the me first. What can I get out of this attitude on its head? You see, the attitude of this world says the higher you rise, the more power you have, the more wealth you have, and the more you accumulate things, that will qualify you to have the status, the leverage, to be in a position that others will serve you. 
That entitles you to be served. And Jesus turns this paradigm on his head. He says, my culture, my people, my church will not be like that. In this passage, he paints the most graphic picture. And I want you to just get the context. This is the last time he's going to be with his disciples. After this, they don't eat again. This is the Passover meal because on his way to Calvary. Now, you need to know when people say, come here, my boy. When my father would say, they said, I don't mean trouble or something. But often the gems of what's on his heart. He would say, I want to share something with you. Don't forget that. That's what Jesus was doing. This is the way I want you to be. You see, what happens in this passage, he takes off his crown, places it, and he puts on an apron around his waist. And he leans over and he picks up a bowl and water. Listen to the passage. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and how he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. And my added version, he took off his crown, laid it aside, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them that was around him. Enter this passage with me. See it on that day. Perhaps even use your imagination and you there. I want you to imagine this. Jesus was clear about his position, his status. His position amongst them. He was clearly sent by God. It was clear that he had the authority. The scripture says that. That he had a power over everything. And that he was returning on his mission complete to God. His father. He knew that the father had sent him. That he was exalted above all else. And yet... He takes off the crown and he picks up the bowl and an apron and a towel to serve his disciples. Listen to verse 4 and 5, how he washes the feet. He got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, put on the apron, then he poured water in the basin and began to wash their feet. I need you to understand this. The person who knew his position Knew his rights. Knew he had heavenly privileges. He knew that. He wasn't confused. He was clear about himself. Gets down and washes the feet. Now washing the feet was very common in that day. We teach our children wash your hands before you come to supper. Well those days wash your feet. 
and your hands. Why? What was so important about that? Well, they walked around in open shoes, open sandals, in fact. And there was no excellent service like the city council where you could have them come and remove and clean the streets. And In fact, the streets was full of dust and dirt and people dumped things and the animals, those wonderful cows and those wonderful sheepy that walked past and those wonderful donkeys decided this is the place they're going to deposit their stuff as well. So they walked and their feet got dirty and smelly. It was like common. They walked. And when they ate together, they sat on the floor. A table, low table. And they leaned against some cushions if they had. And guess where their feet was? Right in your face. <laughs> now imagine that lovely roast lamb that Pastor Daniel makes. And you are looking at the lamb and you're looking at the feet and you're smelling the feet and you say, ah, ah, ergeti lusni. Stinky feet. So it wasn't just, it's a good thing to do. It was a critical thing. I want you to remember, it wasn't just a cosmetic thing. It was a critical thing. Now that job was reserved to the lowest ranking person in that household who had no rights, no status, no privileges, no resources. It's called the servant. They never necessarily called them, come on Mavis, please come and help. And didn't socialize. They lived separately. And they stood and waited on these people. Now, here's the real situation. Put yourself in there. The elephant in the room is all 12 knew. There's no servant here. And they were thinking, I'm not doing this. After all, I'm Peter, the great apostle. That's not my job. All my back is sore. I had a hard day at work. What about them? He deserves to wash feet. Not me. I'm not interested in that. I don't simply want to touch their stinky feet. The leader. The Lord. The miracle worker. The one who loved them until the end. The one who was esteemed. The one who was very clear on his role, heavenly realms. He lived in heaven where angels sang to him all day. Takes a robe, takes off his crown, and he begins to serve. I want you to notice Peter's response as he began to wash the feet and dry them with a towel around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, what? Now you can't, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you do will. Why? Peter knew that no leader will undignify himself, 
stoop down? What would the community say? What would people think of him? After all, he was recognized as the Messiah. The Messiah is served, does not serve. The Messiah, the, the Messiah has rights, status. What would people think of him? I want you to hear what Jesus says, and please, I invite you to enter in with me. No, Peter protest, you will never wash my feet, Jesus replied, unless I wash your feet, you won't belong to me. Do you know what Jesus was saying? You can't be my follower. You can't be in my kingdom. You can't walk with me anymore, Peter. You don't have my culture, Peter. You don't understand we're not going to live like the world. You don't understand we're different, Peter. We're not a celebrity culture. We are the servants. We are the people that believe that our lives do not be driven by the impact of the world that says, I'm higher, than the better I get, the more I have, the more I raise in status, more people this serves me. In fact, I now have leverage that you must serve me. I'm privileged. I deserve to be served. Jesus says, no, Peter, you won't belong to me. Jesus made it abundantly clear that his people will be very different to the world. Jesus was saying, like I lay down my life, I give up my rights. You see, Paul affirms it and reaffirms this challenge. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine principles and privileges, excuse me. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And then he gathers his disciples when he's finished. And he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? Can you see what I'm doing? Is your heart gripping this? Yes, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. Because that's what I am, I know who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Do as I have done to you. I tell you, the slaves are not greater than their masters. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know, now that word know, now that you've embraced, 
It's not, oh, that's a very good point. Hmm. I can answer in general quiz because I know the answer. It's not that. No means transformative change. You've embraced this. You said, this is my way of life, my rule of life. That's what that word means, no. You'll be blessed for doing them. Jesus reiterates that when he challenges his followers and I, I, I have to bring it again and I believe the Holy Spirit is putting out the invitation and the challenge. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Something shifted in my life 34 years ago when I saw a PhD, Dr. Don Ashleman. You know what one of the greatest privileges of my ministry was? He died at the age of 19 in America. And the Lim and I held a memorial service in Cape Town. And I got a phone call from the principal. He says, they would like you to preach at his funeral. At his memorial. I stood there and I said, can it be that his thumbprint is all over my life? By the way, he never said, by the way, have a look at me, boys. I'm washing my cup. You better do it. He never once said it. And the challenge is, I have something to say which is going to be a little bit uncomfortable for you. But I believe it's what I'm seeing in this passage. The only way you will be recognized by Jesus as his follower is not how brilliant you preach, sing, giftedness, or even how much talent you've got or even how much you have on this earth. It's when he sees you serve like he did. He says, there's my son. There's my daughter. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And every sermon that we've preached in this series, we try to leave something of a deposit with you. We try to leave something that you will carry in a tangible way that will impact your life and bring glory to God. There's something that happens inside of you. Can I ask you to take off your crown? To wrap an apron around you? Pick up a towel. Pick up a basin. And serve others. You see, we, we serve them when we bless them through beginning with prayer. Because it's a spiritual matter when people come to Christ. That's why we have these cards. Not so that we say, oh, we've got something to mark in my Bible. And we listen to their brokenness and their hurts and their sadness. And we don't have advice just to spill out like we know it all. In fact, we sit and watch and listen. And we pray that prayer. 
Lord, help me to listen today. And then we eat together, we invite them. You see a meal, this literally right through the Bible. In fact, the last meal is when you're going to sit at the table with him in heaven. The story of an old lady that prayed for her husband, very similar to the way we would pray every day for her husband. He wasn't saved. And she'd always say to him, I'm going to meet Jesus and I'm going to have a meal with him one day around the table. But he never came to Christ. He was faithful. One day at a funeral, he sat right at the, well, he sat in the front, but he, he sat there with the family. And as they were about to close the coffin, he brought a knife and a fork. Two sets. And old and stooped, he put it in. And he whispered, and there's mine, because I'm coming to eat with you. Your prayers. My prayers. My listening. And today we share about serving. Next week we're going to learn about sharing. Let me give you three practical steps that you can enfold on how to put this in your life. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 to 38 says, When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers, the servants, another word is the servants, are few. How do I shift that in my life? Number one, begin to see as Jesus sees I, I was part of a, a little group that toured around when we were at Bible school. Nochal, I was one of the singers. Only four of us, the best singers. <laughs> there was only 20 in the whole school at that stage, so it didn't matter. And we used to sing a song that I used to choke every time we sang it. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world that's broken, a world that's hurting. Let me see through your eyes. You see, when your life is focused on yourself, when everything's around you, it's almost impossible to see others around you. You see, when we have a fantastic church, and yeah, if I were living in this community and I wasn't the pastor, I'd still join this church. A pastor of this church at one stage, I'd join this church. I believe in what God is doing here. I believe it. But oh God, help us to think that this is it. Pastor Daniel talks about the boat. We're safe. We're fine. We have lack of food on that boat. What about out those doors? The second thing is, will you lay down your selfishness and become sacrificial? Again, Paul's writing in Philippians and he says, if you have a heart, comma, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Don't be disruptive, fighting over silly things in the church, where you sit, where they don't sit, where this, where's the coffee, where's not the coffee, it's not as nice. Just stop it. That's what he's saying. And then he says, love each other. 
be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Lay it down. You see, lay down selfishness and become sacrificial. But then you actually serve. You see, the scripture says, when Jesus saw them, he had compassion at how they were confused, how they were broken. Sheep without a shepherd. You see, concern is a good thing, but often concern is, oh, I'm so sorry, and I walk away. Compassion is when you enter that person's life and you become empathetic and you, you kind of hold that pain and you think of them afterwards and you, and you kind of carry it deeply in their or heart for a while. And when you love, you move into action. Concern and compassion move your heart. But love moves your hands and your feet. And that's what Jesus showed us how we're going to live. We lay off our crowns. And we get down. We take up a bowl. Put on an apron. Serve. Some folks say, I don't know how where to begin. Well, let me just give you quickly, and it's in this pamphlet if you're going to get one as you go, how to put it into action. We have a neighbor, and uh, a couple of days will go by, and Bobby says, I haven't seen her. She's a widow. I buried her husband some years ago. I haven't seen her. And she'll knock on the door and find out how she's doing. And with that, it's a Tupperware with some soup because she doesn't look after herself. She doesn't eat enough. She says, Why must I cook for myself? And then we'll send something over. And she thinks Bobby's the best cook, better than Daniel. Much. <laughs> she loves all the food she gets. And it's not like an expense. It's just uh, we eat less. It doesn't look like it. But we eat less and we, we just send it over. Not send it. We take it. We don't send anything to her. We take it. I'm the messenger boy. <laughs> knock, knock. The other day she came over all distressed and I was still in recovery from my leg and I was standing at the door and, and hearing her anxiously calling Bobby and ringing on the bell and Bobby came and she said, Bobby, Bobby, I lost my rings, my wedding rings. And Bobby ran over and I said, I, I couldn't even get across. I was trying to find some people to help. I couldn't move with my leg those days. I, I was in that kind of recovery. And Bobby went from the back of the house to the sink everywhere and then eventually landed up scratching in the garden. You see what happened? She was throwing away something and the rings came off and Bobby picked it up. I said, here they are. And the peace of God came upon her. It's like Bobby was giving her a million bucks. Just simple stuff. Nothing supernatural. But it became supernatural for her. Offer yourself to pick up someone from church. You know, I hear people say, and it's a good thing you do, invite people. How about saying, I'll come and fetch you. I'll pick you up and I'll take you home. I'll be there. It's not chasing them. 
How about volunteering at the school? How about saying, I'll, I'll, I'll assist at the tuck shop in the food, not the food, the clothing bank. I'll, I'll help at uh, somewhere where I can be useful. I don't know what I can do, but I'll try and volunteer wherever they need. Or how about that person at, at your work that sometimes is a difficult person? Yeah. And you know. And you just rock up one day and say, hey, I know you like cappuccino. Here's something for you. How about buying a sweet cake or something? You made it home. How about a nice chocolate? Lint. The small one, mind you. There you are. That's love in action. How about helping a, a neighbor say, I'll take your kids to Sunday school, church, age church this week. I know you need a break. Meaning you wanted to come to church. You see, it's the everyday, ordinary stuff. It's greeting people. Hi. That gives you a door into their heart. And it becomes the extraordinary. Will you pray with me? I want you just to be quiet for a moment in the presence of God. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you and minister to you. Will you open yourself to that? Often I sit like this for a moment of quietness and I just open my hands as if I've got nothing to give you, Lord. I'm just sitting here. Just open. And you don't know where to start and I'd like to invite you to pray a prayer. It's a prayer that simply goes like this. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am. Use me. I don't know where, I don't know how, but use me. Lord, today I take off my crown. I lay it down. Help me. To serve others. Maybe... You're here today and you've never known the love of God because he came to wash your feet before you even loved him, before you even had a desire for God. He laid down his right to be served and went to a cross to be crucified for your sins. He became your servant. And now he invites you to say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Wash me clean of all my sins. If that's your desire, I want to follow Jesus now. I want to put my life in his hands. Will you pray this prayer after me? You don't know what to pray, but will you pray this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I come just as I am, but I place my life into your hands. Cleanse me, wash me clean. Become my Lord and Savior. If you pray that prayer, it would be a delight and a joy for me to serve you by praying for you. At the quietness of this moment, in the privacy of this moment, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, please, Pastor. Pedro, please, please just pray for me. You need to follow Jesus. Slip your hand up in there, wherever you are, on the balcony. 
Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Even though young ones are raising their hand. God bless you at the back. Up on the balcony, God bless you. I see your hands. Are there others? I I don't want to rush. Is there anybody else here? Slip their hand up. I want to pray for you. Oh God, look at the hands that were raised. This is not a, a sign. It's just called to you. Where they saying, Lord Jesus, I come and bring myself into your hands. Lord, touch them, minister to them. May they know the love of God that the servant called Jesus came to serve them. In Jesus' name, amen. And we give God praise. Let's give God praise. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We'd love to help you on your discipleship journey.